Another episode of Fight the Fate. Brian Davies. Hello. What are we doing? What 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 are we doing today? This is a story about how a good man did a lot of evil. No, what? He was not good. He was evil. He's always been evil. Ever since this guy was born, he was evil. Born? He was born in darkness. And he stayed in it. Nah, I mean he. I guess he was. He was a good guy, right? This. This. He is... didn't mean to have an effect like that. Fucked over everyone in the entire United States. Well, not everyone. <laughs> a lot of people. A lot of people got real rich. Yeah, guys, we are talking about Eli Whitney, the slave master general. <laughs> he wasn't a slave master. Yeah. He did not condone. That yeah, he did actually. He, he was a slave profit, profiteer. Yeah, profit. He profited off of slavery. But we'll get to that later. We're gonna get to that later. You're right. We are gonna get to that later. <laughs> no, episode's over. That's all. Oh, Eli Whitney. Well, do your research. Let me Google let me it. let me kick this off. In the late 18th century, the slaves of the South powered the economy in the way of tobacco. And after years and years of overplanting, the soil began to lose all of its nutrients. Therefore, the output and profit were on their way down. It's actually pronounced tabacky. Not no. I'm not, from, I'm not from the South. Tabacky, you fucking Yankee. Now, Eli Whitney changed it all by inventing the cotton gin. Dun, dun, dun. All of a sudden... Upland short cotton became a cash crop and one of the most important creations during the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, if you ever, like, remember high school education, you remember the term textiles? This is where that comes in. Wait, but what's a textile? Anything like mass-produced fabric, looms, things. Like, that was... I always remember when I think the Industrial Revolution, I always think of that. Like, uh, everyone seemed yeah. to have a textile business. There was always British textiles. This that was textiles. one of my vocabulary words growing up. Textile. Yeah. Textiles. The, the, that triangle building that caught in fire, that was a sweatshop. Mm. Textiles all around. Financial success went hand in hand with the prolonging of the slavery in the United States for the next 70 years. Life for a slave was among the most brutal. From sun up to sundown, they worked in the fields of their plantations. Their lives did not belong to them. They were just cogs in a wheel meant to maximize profits. Now, each plantation had overseers watching for any slip-up. If they saw a slave neglecting something, they would be punished swiftly. Usually, they would turn to their whips first slashing their backs until they faint it i wanted to give a little inside look at what uh life was like for these slaves one of my if you go watch the movie 12 years a slave that's like i feel like that's pretty accurate on what stuff was like it was brutal it was vicious it was not humane no not in the least bit there wasn't an hr department no but this <laughs> don't make me laugh at slavery. 
<laughs> this was a bunch of fucking bullshit that went on. And this wasn't like... Two alt-right podcasters mock slavery <laughs> in their latest episode. Hailing Donald Trump and Pepe no, the Frog. we do not fucking back slavery. And we do not back the fucking South. If you go listen to our Civil War episodes. We are pretty tip, like anti-South. We are anti-Southern. Actually, if you're listening from down there, I love you. But I hate the you. The war of northern aggression. But you I can aggress you. these nuts, But I hate you at the same time. Yeah. Don't talk to me. Actually, send me a message. Talk to me through your missing teeth and your bad <laughs> dentistry. Uh, but like slavery going like back through time, there was, it's always have, it's always been there, right? Like not just in America, there was. I think I read something once where it's like the Inuits are the only culture in the globe to have never had slavery. Um, that sounds right. That it's, sounds uh, like checks out. I've never heard of any. Like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna like force someone to mine ice blocks? Like, you needed everyone to like not die. Yeah, no, no one could really be on top. Yeah. I guess you were just. I mean, it's not like they were living the glorious life anyway. They were just trying to survive up there. Yeah. All over the globe to the beginning of time, there was always slavery or some form of it. And I was reading a couple stories like of the abuse and just watching docs and watching that, watching movies like they they put it in where I could see what what the treatment was like. So stories of abuse from those times seem to be without end. Former slaves helped us see the truths of the antebellum South beatings with sticks, chains around their ankles and necks. Breaking bones, slitting ears, ripping out eyes, and castration were just some of the punishments. Even working as hard as they possibly could, one slave could only produce one pound of clean cotton every 10 hours. When Whitney's cotton gin came into play, a slave could bang out 1,000 pounds a day. So what what Mike means is um, however long it took them to pick that cotton, it took about 10, 10 hours out of a pound of cotton to pick out all the seeds in the cotton so it could be yeah. spun and actually turned into usable fabric. It was a very labor-intensive process. It was to the point where like cotton was superior to wool, maybe not superior to hemp, who knows, who cares, but like... Uh, it was such a shitty process that like people didn't care. Like people didn't care to grow it as much. Like if that makes sense. Like there were other things that were just like less work, and yeah, like with like all the other cash crops, like, like tobacco, tobacco, corn, uh, other shit. Because I mean that's the, what I said in the beginning. The yeah. over, I guess they over farm. They got too greedy. Well, South got yeah, too you, fucking you, greedy. You burn out your soil when you don't because you jo every plant. This is like. Biology, this agriculture. Is biology. Fight the fate with agriculture. Um, you, every plant takes out specific nutrients, like corn will take out so much nitrogen, so much blah blah blah. And if you throw in some soybeans, they they produce their own. I think soybeans actually like replenish nutrients in the soil, but that's a whole other thing. Everyone but, eats soybeans. They 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 only take. So if you have one plant taking the certain nutrients that it needs over and over again for years and years, the soil effectively is useless for that plant. So they burn out. It's actually going on in Cuba. Like your Cuban cigars, are, I've heard people talking about they're weaker because just for years and years, Cuba's been growing nothing but tobacco. So the quality has gone down. So that's just a little introduction. Let's go back to the beginning. 
of Eli Whitney's life. It was a summer day, little boy Eli. No, it was actually December. December 6th, 1765, Westboro, Massachusetts. Eli Whitney was born. Why does everything pivotal take place between December 1st and December uh, December 12th? Like what? December 7th, a day which we'll live in, or live in infamy. Something else happened. Like it, There's so much that happens in that fucking week in history. Yeah, because it's cold as fuck. Everyone's aggressive trying to bomb people. And I always forget that Eli Whitney was from Massachusetts. Like, I, I don't know why my brain keeps telling me he was from the South. Because that's where he did everything. Yeah, so I you forget he like he he was a uh, a Yankee. Yeah, he was a Yank, yeah. uh, and in typical Yankee fashion, he just comes down with some some hip new ideas to take advantage. He did actually take advantage of those fox. His father, Eli Whitney Senior, had been a successful farmer and served as Justice of Peace. His mother, Elizabeth Fay, also hailed from the same town, so they were. I guess they grew up together. They, they it were, was a simpler time. They, they didn't were have high Tinder. school sweethearts. He couldn't. You couldn't just go over to the next town and find a wife. You had to work with what you got. That's. Oh, I just realized how fucking stupid that is. Eli and Elizabeth. Had it. would be like if I married a Brianna. I mean that. That'd be pretty sick. Be pretty. Pretty weird. Be, that's like if I married. It wouldn't be weird, but it'd be. That's fucking, like if I married a Michelle. Yeah. Like be, my mom and dad. Pretty on the nose. Like my mom and dad are. Your Mike mom and, and dad did do that. That like, is true. Yeah. They're. Nerds. Nerds. <laughs> hey, I guess we have the same name, kind of. <laughs> Eli loved growing up on the farm and would often wander into his father's workshop. He wasn't really concerned with what was growing in the fields, but wanted to know how the tools worked that kept the engines running. He was he was a tinker. Mm-hmm. He liked tinkering with things. This was the great age of tinkering. He didn't give a fuck about that corn. He just wanted to play with the machinery, and he was a smart motherfucker. You're saying he found the tools more interesting than the corn? Scumbag. Are you talking about bands? Tool? No. I, I thought you said if I, if I, do I think tool is cooler than corn? <laughs> that's why, that's what I thought you just you, said. Your pause was pretty significant. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I was like, the bands? It's, what's, what's the joke? Uh, you're driving through Nebraska, you stop at a, at a diner. And all you hear is, what's new with corn? <laughs> so he had, oh, he had two brothers, one sister. I couldn't really, I couldn't really find much more about like his brothers and sisters. They're unimportant and irrelevant. They don't. They never went on to amount to anything. They don't even want to be involved in this. If it was 2020, yeah, if it was 2012, they would have been heroin addicts. Probably. Useless. So at age 11, his mother died of something. <laughs> I like it just says unspecified. I actually reason. found she died from uh accidentally ingesting raw cotton seeds. Did she? Like for somehow in the process. Get the fuck she, out of here. She took too many seeds to the gut. Get the fuck out of here. No, maybe it was I don't know what it was from. No one knows. It's a fucking mystery. She's the origin of don't eat seeds cuz it sprouted in her gut. <laughs> oh shit. She grew a cotton baby in her in her gut. So, yeah, when his mother died, he had to, like, take over her share of the work around the house. But he still found time to start his own nail manufacturing operation in daddy's workshop during the Revolutionary War. Making nails. 
This was that time. Forging nails out of the fires. Have any of our listeners worked on old <laughs> homes? If you were like my my Do house. Do we have any nail ma- manufacturers? No, listen? my parents have like a, I don't know, 160 something year old Victorian. And like occasionally you'll see one of those fucking stupid uh, like pure, pyramidal uh, nails where it's just, it's like a wedge. Oh, uh, yeah. With the yeah, flathead. Yeah. Like, yeah. A, like a Jesus now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like smaller. Yeah, they're made, and they're all, they, I mean, this was a time where you could just make shit by hand and that was your side hustle. Just bang out a fucking couple of horseshoes, couple nails. You got yourself a business. Yeah, so he's just making these nails, saving up enough money through high school. He could finally <laughs> pay for Yale College. There, take a take a note, that's, strippers. That's it. So make your stop nails. dancing on the pole. You don't need the pole. bang out some nails. Bang these nails out. You can do whatever Jesus, you Jesus want. Jesus likes Jesus likes nail bangers better than pole twirlers. But then people bangers. People. What happens in the back room stays in the back room. Yeah, so uh, he had enough to pay. There he learned new concepts in science and applied arts, which means technology. Mm. I didn't know that. I'm just reading this. I'm like, oh, he's a fucking artist. What did he paint? But applied arts back then meant technology. Planning to move on to study law, he still needed some extra funds. The nails were not cutting it. <laughs> Didn't have enough nails. Too many people in the nail game. So there was an offer to be a private tutor in South Carolina, but it was bullshit. Then there was another offer in Georgia. Again, that was bullshit. He was stranded in Georgia. He gets these offers and he I think they took they took a ship down. Mm-hmm. He went down the coast, landed in South Carolina, then went over to Georgia. He had no job. I tell you what. No money, and he was far from home. I like that boy, but he just talked too fast. I couldn't. He had perfect diction, but I couldn't understand what he was say, saying. I loved. Are what, you belittling Southern? I'm not again? belittling. This is my personal experience. I went down to South Carolina, Georgia. Uh, I don't know why I affected the accent. Um, <laughs> But uh, I went down there for like a summer vacation. I loved everything about it. A lot of it was true. Like uh, they were really nice, but literally they talked so slow. Not stupid, not not like <laughs> mentally ill, but like literally their their words came out so slow. I'm just like, all right, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, and I don't, I don't think I even talk fast. So they were dullards. I, they're not dullards. <laughs> it, it just really is a slower way of life down there, and that's yeah, and, and, no in, no insult to these these no, slave voting pieces I, of shit. I love but no. it, <laughs> but like yeah, it, I'm like, all right, can we speed things the fuck up, please? I I like it, dude. It's a nice change of pace. Well, Michael, I just think that Eagles hat's a little shame. Go Ravens. No, that's Baltimore. <laughs> that's Maryland. They do talk like that though. Go Jags. Yeah. One, one of Georgia. our one of our friends was from like two hours away, and it sounded like he was from the fucking <laughs> Pasadena. Dirty South. Dirty Dina. Yeah, which is funny. <laughs> uh, shout out Jordan Peters. Ca- he's a captain now. Captain. <laughs> captain Peters. <laughs> I'm the captain now. I'm the captain now. Love, um, love Captain. But Jesus. yeah, my my brother and his husband live in uh in Maryland and fucking it's funny 
because they'll tell me about like Dina people and how like it's it's like an hour away from them and it's like Dina you might as well people? be in Al Alabama. That's what they're called, Dina people. Yeah, Jordan was from Pasadena, aka Dirty Dina. I, I, that's all I know about it. I don't I don't think they have many attractions besides mudding and hogging. But yeah, charter 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 uh, Captain uh, Captain Jordan Peters. If you ever want to go down to Maryland and fish and shit. Yeah. So this was about the time when he befriended Catherine Green. Now, Catherine Green was on the same ship when they sailed down from Massachusetts. She was from Massachusetts or uh, maybe she was from Connecticut, but she was from up there too. And she was a family member of Nathaniel Green, the revolutionary war hero. Nathaniel Green was like the number two to like Washington. Yeah. He was like his number one officer. She invited Eli to come visit her Georgia plantation, Mulberry Grove. Hey. Everyone hanging out at Mulberry Grove, and this and there's slaves everywhere. That sounds like a murder mystery. It's like um can, you, it's like Candyland. You catch the last episode of Mulberry Grove? Mulberry. Dun, 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 slaves. It's dun, like dun, dun, no, dun, it's dun, like can, Candyland yeah, and from, uh, um, Django. Django. Yeah. That's that's what Mulberry Grove was like. No, I don't know, but I, that's what I picture it as. This is crazy. Now, Catherine's fiance, Phineas Miller, was waiting when they arrived. He was also the plantation manager, and Eli and Phineas hit it off right away because he was a Yale graduate, too. And they were both hitting Catherine. They loved Yale. And Eli was also a uh, some... Um, Tinker and Bentley, no, like ladies when, man. When you're like a frat, he was a frat boy. Oh, he was a frat. He boy. was a frat boy. Ye old at Yale. He had ye old kegger. Now Whitney's time at Mulberry Grove was spent making these weird and useful inventions for the household and showing them to Mrs. Green. She loved this shit so much that she decided to introduce him to some businessmen. Like, oh, this guy's useful. He can create, he can make stuff. Hey, oh, this is my boy, <laughs> Eli. He's a wicked, wicked smart inventor. I fucking hate that accent He made so a much. thing, he made a bread heater. You know, he doesn't like Tom Brady, but, you know, there's not really much we can do about that. <laughs> fucking Now, uh, these men, these businessmen were already working on a, on a specific problem. They were looking for a way to separate green seed short staple upland cotton from their seeds. This is how he was introduced to the cotton business. The cotton game. This is unlike long staple cotton. Long staple cotton? Short staple cotton? You could fucking separate that shit left and right. But uh, yeah, short staples cotton's adhered to its seeds so that you couldn't pull it apart as easily. Why didn't we just go with long staple cotton then? I don't know. I mean, I guess it sucks. <laughs> yeah, long staple cotton. You could fucking separate that shit all day. Uplet, Have up, like a thousand pounds of it. Long staples just fucking puby and wiry and coarse. Yeah, and short staples like... Love. Lo- love in a fiber. Yeah. Now, Eli knew if he could create a model that did the job taking this shit apart, he would make the South prosperous. Mm. It only took him a few weeks to make the first model. Yeah, I'm just really hoping to make these guys some fucking money because uh, 
Fucking dentistry is real bad down here. They need some fucking infrastructure to fix these fucking thieves. Can we explain how a cotton gin actually works? His first model cotton gin? You don't know how a cotton gin works? No. Uh, I, I read that it's a wooden drumstick with hooks that pulled the cotton fibers through a mesh and the cotton seeds would not fit through. So the mesh fell and uh the like the they fell outside the other side of the mesh. Oh, it's like a it's a screen sieve. Yeah, yeah. Like uh like your quarter machine, your uh your vending machine that has different slots for nickels, dimes, quarters, something like that. And oh, he got this idea cuz he observed a cat attempting to pull a chicken through a fence. <laughs> and able he was only able to pull the feathers through. That's how he got the idea for the cotton gin. Isn't that interesting? It's always like that though. Like a uh, dude gets hit in the head with Apple, writes, uh, writes the laws of gravity. Yeah. On March 14th, 1794, Whitney got a patent for the cotton gin. And at first, he and Miller didn't want to sell gins to farmers. They wanted to let the farmers rent them and pay for the amount of cotton they cleaned with it. Yeah, a percentage of the profits. Yeah, and the farmers were like, you motherfucking piece of shit. Now I don't know about you, how you do things up in Massachusetts. Yeah, he was he was taking advantage of them. But down here, Joe Flacco is king. Now, who the, who's the quarterback <laughs> for the who's the who's the quarterback for the Falcons? I don't fucking know. Uh, Matt Ryan. Fuck him. <laughs> so imagine like you create something and other people want to use it. You just rent it. It's a, it's a smart move to do. Yeah. If you can pull it off and you can maintain, but yeah, but the people were like, "Why don't you just? It's, why it, don't you just sell me a cotton gin? Why don't I just use a cotton gin?" It's the classic American story of like, okay, I know I can communicate with these people, therefore I know their culture and I know how they get down. But really, like, it's a different thing. He does. They're shifty. Then <laughs> you, you Southern people know how you are. You're shifty. <laughs> you're toothless. And you don't care about patents and legality. and You've gone too far this time with people making fun of Southern people. Well, if it was in the South, I could stand my ground right now, Michael, and shoot you in the fucking face. That is true. So, R.I.P. Trayvon. <laughs> this whole thing pissed people off. They felt that the machine was so easy to replicate that they could start producing bootleg gins. It, well, it actually is, because like... I don't know about the listeners, but it's like, just a drumstick. I'm literally, I, I could picture what you said in my head and like picture the mechanics of it. Like I wouldn't know how to do that, but I could find somebody who could. Yeah, that's what I mean. And and patent law was so primitive that stealing it was easy. Yeah. Who was gonna come after you because you made a fucking drumstick with a mesh on it and you were pulling cotton through it? How are you gonna find out? People are just making drumstick cotton meshes. That's what I mean. So these dudes were like, "You, I mean, if he was just selling the gins, he could probably stay in business because mm. no one's gonna come after him. Like you can just you can just sell him the machine. Yeah, but he wanted to. Rent I him. mean, he was charging too much. He was he was just charging too that much. That Yankee greed. Yeah, and soon Whitney and Miller fell behind on demand. They couldn't build. Machines fast enough, so everyone just started making their own. And the business fell apart and shut down in 1797. <laughs> he thought, he said, you're going to have to rent them. And we said, 
Boy, that's a drumstick and a screen and a hook. You can suck the left part of my nut. So three years. His business only lasted three years. Yeah, it, it just came down to like there there was no one to enforce the patent. He got bogged down in litigation. Like it actually cost him more to like sue people than he was making from making the the blah 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 the fucking cotton gin, which stands for cotton engine, by the way. It does it. Yep. Holy shit! I didn't even know Change, that. Just changed your life, huh? Yeah. Cotton um, engine. The cotton engine. Um. Yeah. So it actually cost him more money in the long run to just sue people for patent infringement. And I think by the time he got the ball rolling, there was like two more years left on his patent anyway. So it just fucking, it just sucked. Yeah, and I, I read something about his, he had a location in New Haven and that burned to the ground somehow. Yeah, maybe maybe little Ray Ray went down there and uh, had a little I don't tobacco. Know. I don't know if it really burned to the ground. I could only saw that in- uh, In like one article? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't hear about so, it. So, I mean- it sounds like to the ground. Sounds like some southern aggression. Yeah, and some some say there was design flaws at first with his models, and Mrs. Green helped him fix it, but was given no credit. He was using cheap lumber, Chinese. He was using Chinese wooden hooks. I don't know if I believe that Mrs. Green helped with this shit. Why not? Because she's a woman. That's fair. <laughs> Just kidding. We love all women. But there are like a lot of hook type implements in the kitchen that she would be familiar with. Like what? Well, she's got the rolling pin. That's like a wooden a wooden barrel. And she's got So that's like the like dr- a hook. that's the drumstick. She just stood she stood staring at the rolling pin one day for her drumstick. She knew mesh cuz she had a what the fuck? A colander. No, she was grading cheese she one was, day and that cheese. gave her the idea. It gave her the idea for improvements. After receiving relu- women's suffrage ruined this country. No. After receiving reluctant payments from the state for the profits he helped them make, the guys received around ninety thousand dollars. So the state was paying. He was like, "I just I'm making your economy. I need some money." And then he received around ninety thousand dollars. But factoring the cost of all the shit they did, they basically netted nothing. Mm-hmm. And they 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 were fucked. Yeah, they they lost. Like I said, they lost a lot of money in litigation, lawyer fees, and court fees and shit. I mean, the cotton gin wasn't just a machine; it was an entity that fed into the Civil War. Of course, slavery was bad, but after the gin, plantations exploded. More plantations, more slaves, more profit. And paradoxically, a labor-saving device made more labor. Yeah, like we like we said in the beginning of the episode, like slavery was actually on pretty pretty much the way out. It had it had grown out of fashion. Tobacco was on the decline. There 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 was it was on their way to being no use for it. And with the cotton gin, the the importation. Uh, so okay, tobacco. Slave prices are going down. No one really, the, the need for slaves is much less. They were actually finding in a lot of cases that it was more, it costs more to feed and house the slaves than they were getting back in return. What the fuck else? Um, and then, the, yeah, with the cotton gin, the price of slaves went back up. Uh, they needed more land to supply all the cotton for the demand. Uh, corn in, in the off season, they would rotate with corn. Corn went up. So these slaves were working all year round. There was no off season. Um the price for cotton actually never went down. 
um, because it, it, you lost it. You lost the money again in slaves and land. Just needed more people. When something explodes, you need more slaves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it was on the way out, and pretty much the cotton gin fucking gave us many so, more years of slavery. Thank you, Eli. Thank you for making more slavery. You broke bitch. You piece of shit. Now Whitney was out of the cotton business. He had to turn his focus somewhere else. Seeing how the government was being threatened by war with France, he thought the country could use a few more weapons, just in case. You say you do not want baguettes, and you will not trade baguettes for cotton. <laughs> so we will make the war with you. Oh, man, France. France was fucked up, trying to attack us. Using trebuchets of fucking Come french on. fries and shit. Just leave us be. Go smell like cheese, you undeodorized piece of shit. That's racist. The, are the French a race? No. They're white. I can make fun of them. That's, That's the rules. That is true, actually. That is true. So the government was trying to solicit 40,000 muskets from independent contractors because they had they had two national armories that only made 1,000 muskets in three years. Yeah. They sucked at making muskets. They couldn't make a fucking musket if their life depended on it. And it could depend on it. Is there a way possibly to speed up this process and make it better? I don't know. So You know who did know? <laughs> who? Eli motherfucking Whitney. I heard he stole this fucking shit from someone else. Probably. So the contractors bid for a total of thirty thousand two hundred. They couldn't get the forty thousand, mm. but they found enough uh, contractors to get up the thirty thousand. Now the thing about making weapons is every single one is unique. If the fucker breaks, the replacement had to be specially made. Eli secured a bid for ten thousand muskets himself, but he didn't tell anyone. He had an idea that could make life a little easier again. Remember, this dude never made a gun in his life. But he's a world-class tinker. He's tinkering. Yeah, like imagine that. So you're out there, you're you're fighting, you're doing whatever you're doing, your musket breaks. Mm. There's nothing. You can't pull a piece off another musket. You can't, it's not gonna fit. you can't go to the like the Home Depot and get like There's a replacement no, no, musket. You need a fucking like blacksmith to fucking forge a piece. Bang, bang, bang. Eli was not having it. He saw actually he just wanted to make another profit. So had I don't think it had anything to do with the country could go to war with France. I think he just he sees the money, he sees the advantage. And he swoops in again and tries to make something out of it. The designs for the guns introduced interchangeable parts. Mm-hmm. You ever hear mm-hmm. of interchangeable parts? Yes, we rely on them for everyday life. <laughs> you could take any parts and apply them to any of the 10,000 muskets and they would work seamlessly. So, so Mike talked about it, but like literally everything is handmade. Everything had like there's no design specifications. Like Mike could have a we could have a, a barrel. We could have rifles built by the same guy and have two different length parts for literally every every single part in the gun, from the the wooden stock to the trigger to the firing pin to the flash pin, yada yada. So essentially, Eli's idea. I'm going off script. Um, 
instead of this, uh, for how he made this interchangeable parts idea, he had uh, Jim the factory guy. And instead of making what making a, a gun a month, now Jim specifically makes triggers. And what Jim starts, he becomes really good at triggers because he's yeah. working on a day and a Jim now makes 50 triggers a week instead of one one rifle a month from fucking Jim. So you get you get a gang full of gyms, just trigger, stock, barrel, you know. They become more precise. They become more similar. They start using molds, yada, yada. And it, there, there's uniformity and there's replacement parts on, on on stock. So, yeah, you could break one and there'd be a part laying around. And also what that does for them, the manufacturer, is they could assemble on demand and use those extra hours of labor to put all the, the rifles together only when the rifles are needed. So everything everything was coming into form, but time was flying by. The government was wondering where their shit was. Where's where's my muskets? Where's my muskets? I got no muskets. I got I got five triggers and no barrels. I gotta keep that fang on me, heard? <laughs> Thomas Jefferson, motherfucker. In 1801, Whitney put on a demonstration to get him off his back. He showed the feasibility of interchangeable parts, but it turns out this whole show was staged. He wasn't even close to having this shit done. It would be another eight years until the weapons were ready. So he's still trying to... um, Get it under control. And and at that demonstration, Thomas Jefferson was there. Thomas Jefferson. He's like, Tommy, how do I you like my weapons? So I uh heard you heard you worked with slaves. <laughs> T TJ, famous for fucking his slaves. No, he never oh yeah, he had a baby one, I think, and they killed it or something. Technically rape. <laughs> no, I don't think it was rape. I think she like consented. They, could, I think could, they loved each other. Could she say no? No, but in <laughs> in his defense... It, it's consent because she couldn't say in no. In his defense, he loved her. So if you love someone... It's not right. They have to love you back. And if you do have intercourse with them... It's love. This is inc- it's love, mate. This is incel talk with fight the fate. Sorry, I just got a little off track right Put there. Put the AR down, Mike. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> eight years later, presenting the finished product, he calculated an actual cost for his work, which was more than the government wanted to pay. And he cre- he like, do you know about any of this shit? Like fixed uh, fixed costs and economic efficiency and I mean all yeah it's shit. the same it's the same like, thing we were talking about he, with the cotton he like created he I don't know if he didn't create it but he like mainstreamed it, it and and uh what the fuck is the word I'm looking for uh codified it boom like put it down on paper like these things are things and these are the way you do business. Yeah, like this is what I this is what it costs for my machinery. This like, is hey, what my rent was for this place yeah. to build the stuff. Like uh th- there are many businessmen at this time and there are bookkeepers, but like the tinkerer did not do all of this. You did not the tinkerer wasn't involved in the bankrolling, in the bookkeeping. He he brought it all about as one, you know. Yeah. Cost. Production cost, uh, labor cost. How much are we actually doing 
for this much amount of money. He wanted. He just wanted more money because he got fucked out of that cotton money. Yeah, I his think, slave profits. I think did they give him? I think they gave him that money though. I I, I read uh, that I read that he got the ten thousand. Eventually, made um, the amount of money he turned a profit. I, I forget yeah, what the he exact did. He did was. good on this. He did good because it would uh, stabilize his future. And even even with something good, it takes a while for like you to work out the kinks in your good. And we're talking about literally the birth of automation, automated manufacturing, not not automated, automatic manufacturing. Everyone has a process. Everyone has one role, and together you you put out the product faster. People say he didn't, he didn't create interchangeable parts. Like, there was other people who had this shit going. There was this one French guy, Jean-Baptiste Vaquette de Grabreville. Fake news. There was a French artillerist who created a fair amount of standardization of artillery pieces. So he, this guy made it first. He did it first. It wasn't Eli's thing. Yeah, but he's French and he sucks. And, uh... He's trying and to talk to you about business no, deals no, and you there just smell. There was other guys, too, who were doing it. Captain John H. Hall and Simon North arrived at successful interchangeability before Whitney's Armory did. Did they make money? Uh, I have no idea. Jealous broke bitches. Just saying. Other people were do- had this idea. It's not like it, he was Eli the Eli Whitney, one. a motherfucking gangster. I'm sure this shit went back to the fucking Turning cavemen. profit. Dude, cavemen were doing this shit. <laughs> Mass producing flint heads. Yeah. Flint spears. Now they're bitches. Uh, they can suck a dick. They didn't, they didn't make no cheddar, as the kids say. As he's... He's trying to... He's trying to make his own armory at this time. He's still like... In and out, he was at uh, Springfield's Armory, mm-hmm. which was a water-powered station, but the water-powered station was a mile away from manual operations. So, I mean, I'm not too good on, like, the way you build, like, what you actually have to do, mm-hmm. but it wasn't it wasn't good, and he knew that's how he learned how to set up his own operation. Mm-hmm. His uh, armory was right on Mill River. I think he had, didn't he have two of them or something? Yes. So the one was on the river and he had the water power station on one side and the operations were on the other side. So he just crossed and started making his own shit like that. Okay, so in, in that example, you literally, this sounds like obvious to us now, but like people didn't think about this shit, that you're literally wasting a mile, like the effort yeah, the it, takes, mile. it takes to travel a mile have, you in your assembly it. process. Yeah. No, like people just literally didn't think of this shit. Just think of it now. Like shit is so fucking tight right now. This is like, okay, for our job, me and Mike uh, work in logistics for medical supply. If where I parked up and had to load up was a mile. <laughs> from the hospital I was delivering that to. That would suck. It'd be dude. fucking stupid. Yeah, but people were like, like, hey, yeah, you got it. Like, yeah, the, the hospital's on 11th and Spruce. You have to park up at 99th and uh, and Halstead. Park at the Ben Franklin Bridge and yeah. go there. You have to park up at the Franklin <laughs> Bridge and drop off to the hospital. Yeah, so he, he's got his armory going, the Whitney Armory. And he gets married to Henrietta Edwards. He had a couple kids. What he? I think he had he had four kids, but only one survived, which was Whitney, uh, Eli Whitney Jr. Because his dad was Eli Whitney too, mm-hmm. and then he was Eli Whitney, but he didn't like the junior. 
He's like, I'm not taking the junior. Didn't feel then good about he it. he had a kid, and he was Eli Whitney, and he's a junior. You get it? I, I do. I don't really know much about his life as in the armory. I think he was just making weapons. He was Making successful. money. The business fucking exploded. He's got a, tried to start a family. He did get a son. And that's when he lived happily ever after. Yeah, but it's 1825 and your kids died a lot. Yeah, so it was just normal. He lost three, kept one. Good job. By the way, you got to get vaccines so you can see the baby. I know. So, oh, and then he, <laughs> he, side note, he, uh, so my kid can survive during his course of illness, he reportedly invented and constructed several devices to mechanically ease his pain. I don't know what the fuck that means. I didn't read that at all. Yeah. Like he made a machine that could fucking massage his prostate <laughs> to like give it some relief because he will end up dying of prostate he cancer. made a prostate he made it he made a, a i'm pleasure thinking toy. he was milking his prostate mm. do you think that's what it was he just hooked up a small like silicone rod to the to the water mill yeah mm. I'm, i think he did that just shooting ropes yeah he uh he died of prostate cancer january 8th 1825 i automa i automated the process of milking my prostate you want to see I don't know what the fuck that means. Making machines to ease your pain. If you want to tell us what you think that means, email us at Fight the Fate. Yeah, yeah. what does that what mean? What is our contact info? Actually, side note, do we have contact info? Uh, just Fight the Fate. We we have an inbox. Do we have? I mean, we DMs? have DMs. We have the main website, which our podcast. We don't plug is on. that enough. We don't plug it because we don't know what the fuck. So we're tell doing. tell us in graphic detail what you think that means. At, uh, DM us yeah. at Fight the Fate. Yeah, message us on Apple, mm. iTunes. If you want to send us reenactments of what you think that means. Go to can... the Fight the Fate Facebook page if you can find it. I, I post funny memes sometimes. Yeah, once in a while, you know. So after Whitney's death in 1825, his firearms business stayed in the family for another 60 years. That's how successful it was. And ultimately... They sold to Winchester Repeating Arms Company in 1888. There you go. Got bought out by the Winchester. The gun that won the West. Or is yeah. that the Colt Repeater? Uh, the, I don't uh, fucking know. What, what, I think, wasn't that the Colt? The, yeah, I think it was the Peacemaker. You're right. I don't fucking know. We don't know. We play Red Dead Redemption 2. Which sucked. I, what? I said it. Fucking loved it. Okay. All right. So Yale... This uh, Eli Whitney's legacy still lives on just for the things he did, the slaves he made and the <laughs> cotton gin. And I mean, he did a bunch. I mean, really, it was fucked up, but it also helped the North win the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Do you know how? I I would say the opposite. There probably wouldn't have been a Civil War if it wasn't for cotton. I mean, he made the arms we probably used. I, I, oh I, yeah, yeah. That wait. He was, probably yeah. I mean yeah. He got the government contract more than likely. Yeah, yeah. He so was. He, he, he was, probably made the guns. So he probably made the guns. Wait. Well, in, yeah, in, in a roundabout way, the slaves that were imported because of his cotton gin, more than likely ended up turning on them, and became became part of the Union Army. That's that's a fucking leap and a half. But yeah, I can see that. We, I'd be curious. That's the, that's it. This sounds like those people that think we shouldn't drop the bomb on the yeah, Japanese. Whitney helped. The United this States. This sounds like Southern propaganda now. I think about it. <laughs> like he actually helped the North with his gin machine. Yeah. 
Not with the gym machine, but with the weapons. He made the, the North guy jealous of our prosperity. He made a device to stop labor and it made more, more labor, labor, which made the war, and then he made the guns to stop the war. Yeah. He was in all facets. So, he, he's like an accidental like war profiteer. <laughs> and Yale, the uh, Yale College created the Eli Whitney Students Program for men that had not attended college at an early age. So you got like, you know, uh, like if you come in, you see this old head in your college. Mm -hmm. This program is for him to make him feel at home. There you go. <laughs> I don't actually know what the fuck they do, but that's what it said. To help the older age people get to college. I like it. There was uh, recent allegations about Eli that not all his parts were interchangeable <laughs> and that some parts varied considerably in size. Do you believe these allegations? I mean, more than likely, because even though even though you became like a specialist in, again, triggers, barrels, whatever, you're not using molds and you're not using computer technology. So, yeah, there's going to be variations and it's not everything's not going to be. Perfect. That just sounds like a hater trying to take them down. It really is haterade. It's just one Southern dude writing bullshit articles about. Yeah, you like this story. He gives us the slaves and he taketh away much like the Lord. It's kind of crazy what he did, though, like how he affected this shit so much by he was just trying to make money and then he it just... fucking turned into a fucking slave and then it turned into a fucking war and then he ended the war. That isn't like that's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I fucked up. <laughs> that's that. What you got anything? Any closing remarks on Eli Whitney? What did his son do? Do we know that? Did he no, become everyone, anything? everyone else is useless. Everyone, I think he, what, he just worked in the armory? And the the only other Whitney I know is Whitney Houston. She made good music. <laughs> it's a good song. All right, so that's all we have on Eli Whitney. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. I'm Mike Bonomo. That's Brian Davies. Night, night. And we'll see you on the next episode of Fight the Fate. We are fate fighters.